So tonight, we are starting off a new series, and it is called, What's the Big Deal? But before I kind of talk about the direction we're headed with that, I wanted to actually start by reading a little bit of an article that I came across a couple weeks ago that's really good by a guy named Greg Trimble, and it's called The Most Dangerous Temptation That Faces Our Youth. So listen as we read what he says. He says, imagine you're beaming little boy or energetic little girl. This is all of y'all's parents when they first had you. Oh, my precious little baby. You're watching them grow and develop year after year, and you wish the time would stand still. Stop growing, I'm sure y'all have heard it, is a phrase that you've almost certainly told your child at some point in their young life. The years go by, and you see this innocent and inquisitive child learn new things. You know that they're going to be exposed to some filthy things in life. But right now, you see the light in their eyes and the purity in their spirit, and you hope in some miraculous way that they might avoid the storm of the secular world that is barreling toward them. So sometimes as parents proactively, sometimes reactively, we plead with you to avoid pornography, to be respectful of your own body and the bodies of others, to stay away from alcohol and drugs, to take a pass on vaping, to keep your clothes on, your language clean, and to learn a good, strong work ethic. We beg you to find the joy in the gospel of knowing Jesus Christ, to respect adults, to read your Bible, and to listen to good music. We tell you to get off your phones, to not be envious of others, and to not worry about what others think of you, and we hope it will be enough. But we know from experience how real and serious these temptations are going to be for any child that grows up in our day. But sadly, for many parents, they end up needing to ask themselves, what went wrong with our son or our daughter? Where did we go wrong? Where did he or she go wrong? We point the finger at all these different things, but we often overlook the catalyst for what is the most responsible for draining the light out of our son or daughter's soul. And before I give you his answer, I want to hear what you guys have to say. Anybody have any idea? We're pointing our finger at all these different things. I want to see if any of you guys have an answer for what you think he's going to say is the catalyst for leading you down this path. They're friends. All right, anybody else? You guys, this is a packed house. You can't be that quiet. Mr. Mr. Jones. Um, I guess it would be identity. Identity. Good one. I would say like influences. Influences. Awesome. All right, last one. Michael over there. Go on, Devontae. You got it. What'd you say? Bad childhood. Bad childhood. I, I thought I heard bad chocolate, and I was like, <laughs> that'll do it every time. Bad chocolate. <laughs> bad childhood. All right. Great. Great job, guys. So what, is, what does he say? We point the finger at many things, but often we look, overlook the catalyst for what's most responsible in dra- draining the light out of our son or daughter's soul. And he says that is his friends. Good job. Good job. See, all of those are great answers, but he says your friends. Some of you guys may have guessed, what's the big deal? Okay, we're in February. It's time for our annual relationship series, right? That's where we're going. But tonight, I actually felt like the Lord gave me a different direction because we want to talk about relationships, and Pastor Daniel will be next week, and Pastor Tony will be the following week, and it's going to be awesome. But before we can even get into that, I feel like we need to take a step back and evaluate our friendships. 
the circle that we're in and look at that because that essentially will lead us to who will be our spouse anyway. So what is the big deal about friends? So now I said we're going to have some fun, and I need you guys to help me out and preach, okay? You got you to gotta do better than we just did, okay? You got me? You got me? Because every single time I come up here and speak, my number one biggest supporter, my biggest encourager is not in here with us. And you guys know who that is, right? Yes, my husband. My mom and brother were here in the last service. They're like, me! Like, oh, no. Um, yes, P.S., he is preaching up front, um, as he was last year when we were in the relationship series, and of course he was in Jamaica on a missions trip when we did God in Movies. Um, so I need you guys to step it up, okay? You got me? If you got me, give me a thumbs up and say, you got, I got you. Gotcha. All right, now, now don't let me down now. All right, so I'm going to trust you guys. I did not do this in junior high, but I'm going to trust you guys. All right, I said we're going to have fun. You're going to help me preach here for a second. I need you to be thinking about what is the big deal about choosing friends. What is the big deal? What are the pros of choosing good ones? What are the cons of choosing negative ones? And while you guys are thinking, you need your brain working. I know some of you guys got candy in the last activity uh, in the game. I made junior high wait till this was over because I didn't want them to be crazy. So y'all can't be crazy on me. All right. Now, when we talk about friends, I don't know if you guys see things the way I see them, but I feel like the Lord can talk in all these different venues. And I felt like when I was like, I want to, you know, I don't come empty-handed. I don't preach enough. I need to come with stuff. Some of you guys have some friends out there, and I think the, the names of some of our candy kind of reference the type of friends we have. You know what I'm saying? Anybody got a, a dum-dum in their life? <clears throat> you, felt, you felt that? I felt that, she said. All right, where's the other one I'm looking for? Somebody steal my candy. I got it from here. How about some... Uh, Airheads. Anybody got some airheads in your life? Okay, guys. Now, now follow with me here. I'm not talking about people that are academically challenged, okay? I am talking about those people that always make the dumb decisions. They always get in trouble. Maybe it's you. Maybe it's your friends. But sometimes these reference some of those. Anybody got some nerds in their life? No, that's... Uh, oh, anybody got some lemon heads? Kind of sour, kind of make everything kind of go downhill fast. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, we could all use some good and plenty. We all could use plenty, plenty more good in our lives, right? A lot, lot more good. Uh, one of my personal, f- oh, okay, we all need some more joy. Almond or not, just joy in our lives. And then, of course, my favorite, although it is not my favorite candy, everybody knows what this is. A lifesaver. We all need some lifesavers in our lives. You guys, y'all, I'm just going to sit down. Y'all can preach. That was awesome. Give yourself a round of applause. All right. So let's read on just a little bit more um, of his article real quick. See, he says, none of those previously mentioned temptations and pitfalls, none of those individual things that we deal with or struggle with can approach the monumental decision-making that takes place simply when we choose our friends. He goes on to say, for me, almost every single not-so-holy thing I was exposed to in my youth came by way of my friends. And if you guys think about it, you'll likely come to the same conclusion. He says, I've been able to see young kids go through the entire cycle of childhood to adulthood. Some have turned out great. Others are in a world of sadness and sorrow. The universal common denominator that dictated the course of their lives comes down to the people they choose to hang out with on a consistent basis. A group of friends, sports teammates, girlfriend, boyfriend, 
The choice with whom to associate with was always the precursor to the consequences that followed, both good and bad. I was always taught to be a leader and not a follower, but I don't care how strong of a leader you think you are, how spiritual you think you are, how resolute in your beliefs you think you are. No one is strong enough to withstand the daily influences of the people you hang around the most. Somebody say, no one. No one. Say like you mean it. No one. <laughs> no one. You guys hear what he's saying, right? No one is able to withstand that constant interaction that you have. It's going to affect you. So he says on your handout, the path of your, and what I want you to write down, because I want you to think about it as you write it, the path of your entire life is determined by the kinds of friends you have right now or the kinds of friends you will go out and choose or maybe dismantle after this message, possibly. The path of your entire life, guys, it sounds so big and lofty, but the path you're on right now and the path you will continue on for the rest of your life is determined by the kinds of friends you have. See, we're in a relationship series, yes, but before we can even look at what you need or what you want in a boyfriend, a girlfriend, what kind of guy or girl is going to be an amazing husband or wife, you need to see that the friends you have right now will ultimately decide that. You want this awesome guy, but you're in this circle over here, it's, it's not going to line up. So we need to talk about our friendships that we have right now. Listen to what actor and artist Will Smith had to say when he was speaking at high schools in 2017. He says, one bad day with one dumb friend can mess up a big chunk of your life. One bad day. Say that. One bad day. One bad day. One dumb friend. Dumb, dumb. Some of you sucking on them right now. Mm. Eat them. Don't be friends with them. No. <laughs> See, here's the thing. If it's lots of bad days and lots of bad friends, it's no longer small chunks of your life. It becomes your life. And you guys know what I'm talking about. Those, those people that are always bringing you into some place you didn't mean to go. One bad day with one dumb friend. I love how the Bible says it. It's actually pretty similar to the way Will Smith said it. Walk with the wise and become wise. For a companion of, what's, what's that word? Oh, I love, the girls, the girls are watching. They're paying attention. <laughs> Let's hear over here. What is, what is that word for a companion of what? Fools, fools. Suffers harm. Pretty much the same thing, right? Companion of fools, dumb friends. Pretty much saying the same thing. One who has an unreliable friend soon comes to ruin, but there's a friend who sticks closer than a brother. And here's my personal favorite. Do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. I look at all those, companion of fools, unreliable friends, bad company, and look at all the verbs, all the action that's happening. Coming to ruin, suffering harm, being corrupted. That sounds fun, right? Lots, lots of fun. Yeah, woo. You know, it's, it's always been really interesting to me that the Bible chose, like the God chose to have it said that way. It does not say good company corrects bad character. Ever thought about that? It doesn't say it the other way around. It says bad company corrupts good character. And we know that's not always uh, the case. We see that in movies, even like the lady in the tramp that, that was up there for a second. You'll see it in movies where it's not dogs. But here's the little good little church girl. And here's this guy who's like living whatever type of life he wants to. And he's, you know, with all the ladies and he's doing his own thing. But he sees her and he's like, oh, I will change for you and I will become a man of honor. And I'm sorry, guys, it just doesn't happen that way. And obviously the roles reverse too where this, this great guy and then this crazy, crazy girl comes along. Unfortunately, it is not that way. I need somebody to help me out. I just need one volunteer 
one volunteer. I'm gonna pick, I'm gonna pick Nehemiah, I'm gonna pick Nehemiah. All right, so I need you to hop on the stage real quick. It is, I need you to hop on the stage real quick. All right, just to illustrate the point. Some of you guys may have seen this analogy before, I definitely have many times, but it bears repeating. All right, now listen, right here. All right, listen, we're friends, okay? We're friends, we're tight, yo, hey, me, you. We're friends, you got me? You gotta, you gotta play along with me or I'm gonna have to pick somebody else. No, okay. All right, so he is following the Lord, right? He's up here, he loves Jesus, he's trying to live a good life, he wants to make good choices. I'm over here, I, don't, I think his faith is kinda dumb. I, I cuss all the time, I watch whatever I want to, but we're friends. I like video games, you like video games, yeah, you like video games, okay? We also are math nerds, yeah, sound good? Go with me, yeah, okay. <laughs> nice, nice. So he would like to see me come up to his level, but I've made fun of him a time or two, so he really doesn't really talk to me about things of the Lord anymore. He just kind of hopes that maybe his good character will rub off on me. So he tries to bring me up to his level. Don't kill me now, but try to bring me up. Get, get me up here, get me up here. Dominic in junior high literally grabbed me and like, it was ridiculous, anyways. Good job. It's not, it's not very easy, and it's not because he's not strong. He's awesome, right? But now listen. Okay, we're still friends. We're still friends. No, okay, that works too. But the more we hang out, the more we spend time together, and I'm always just ribbing on him for his faith. I think it's, I think it's dumb, but we're friends. We're cool. And I keep talking about how, like, you know, I'm doing all this stuff. I'm living my life, and it's, it's good. And he starts like, man, I don't know, this living for Jesus, I feel like a dork, it's a dorky being a Christian, I don't, <laughs> carrying my cross every day, what is that? And before you know it, geez, it's just not that hard, it's just not that hard to pull him down to my level, good job, good job, thank you, give it up for Nehemiah, <laughs> he's like, woo, woo, you feeling that shirt, <laughs> life is short, all right, but you guys see what I'm saying, right, it is so hard for him to get me up there but it's so easy, he was not expecting it, for me to pull him down to my level. That is why the word says, bad company corrupts good morals, right? Yes, or good character. All right, so now if you guys are like me at all, you're like, okay, friendship, that's cool, all right, that sounds great. Um, but you, maybe you have some questions, or maybe there's some things that you have believed before that you're like, I don't know. So let's talk about some misconceptions that we have and let's debunk a few myths, shall we? This is the first one and I love this one, it's so good. Myth number one, Jesus hung out with sinners and he changed them, so I can too, right? I mean, come on, okay, it's not, it's not a trick question, it says myth. I'm just, and, but guys, I mean, you read that in the Word, if you ever are in the Word, he's Zacchaeus, he's going over to his house for dinner, we know he was a bad guy, he's, cheating everybody's taxes and getting money from, from people he shouldn't be. He let, Jesus lets a woman who'd, who had been a prostitute wash his feet with, his, with her tears and, and dry them with her hair. And there's mention after mention of, of, of sinners and tax collectors listening to Jesus or talking with him. So that's got to be true, right? I mean, he did it. We can do it. But listen, guys, there's a huge misconception here. Absolutely, he loved the worst of sinners, as he still does. And certainly he spent time with them, some time with them. But let's just look at what we're saying when we say he did this and we can too. 
if you have a picture of Jesus hanging with his homies, yo, he's like up in the club with Barabbas, I don't think that's really what was going on there, right? I think we have it totally wrong. He's not just like hanging, hanging with these guys, hanging with these girls and hoping maybe I will rub off on them. I don't think, <laughs> maybe Jesus, maybe I will rub off on them. See, the Pharisees were always mad at him because they always were like, why are you hanging out with the sinners? This is awful. And his reply, as always, is genius. He says, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. So clearly here, he's not just hanging with his buds. He's not hanging with his bros. He clearly tells them he's a doctor coming to heal those who are sick, spiritually speaking. Now, I don't know about you guys, but I do not go to my doctor for a good time. You guys go to the doctor, hey, we're going to be partying up in here, go to the doctor. That's not my idea of a good time. I don't think it is any of ours. We, why do we go to the doctor? We go to the doctor because we're sick, or something is wrong, and we want to be healed, right? right? That's why you go to the doctor. I'm broke, fix me. Something's wrong, fix it. And this, I think you guys will agree, is where we're at in our world today. People around us are sick. Maybe some of us in here tonight are sick. You guys know that there's more depression than ever, more anxiety than ever, more pornography addicts, more drug addicts, more human trafficking, ugh, more divorce, more abused children, more poverty than in any previous generation. I think you guys can agree that our world is sick and in need of a doctor. So if you are walking in the shoes of Jesus here, and Dr. Paul, you are literally going to bring these people to Jesus you're going in there, Dr. Kelsey, and you are walking in their shoes and bring them straight to Jesus. Because you know when he calls Zacchaeus, he instantly is like, Lord, I'll give money back. They instantly change. They instantly change in his presence. So if that's what we're doing, keep it up. But if we're more like the latter, what I was talking about, we're just hanging, hanging with our bros, hanging with our girls, hoping maybe, just maybe they'll maybe come to Jesus, or maybe we don't even care. We're hoping that we'll rub off on them, then I think we need to kick some of that to the curb. <clears throat> Am I right? Am I right? <laughs> All right. This leads us to another popular misconception. <laughs> this is a good one. Myth number two. I don't really have friends, so I must be okay. Now, <laughs> I know, I know. But listen, listen, I know that this is a valid point for some of you guys. You're like, I'm kind of a loner. I don't really like hang with all these people. There's nobody pulling me down this bad path, right? I know some of you guys are in here like, I go to lunch, I sit by myself, I have my earphones in, I'm not really hanging with anybody, so nobody is pulling me down these bad directions. So I'm good, right? I'm good. Wrong. And why is that? Because whoever you spend the majority of your time with will become your closest friends. If you spend hours, hours watching shows, those people become your friends. If you spend hours listening to musicians and artists, those people become your friends. They become your mentors. If you engage in a ton of social media, whether you know this person or not, those people become your friends, your YouTube channels, things like that. All of that, these people become your closest friends and you will start to think like them, talk like them, and act like them. Why do we always hear, you guys have binge watched a show before and you feel like you're tight with these, oh, like you were hanging on what's happening in their life. Not their life, but the, the part they're playing. Why do you always hear that actors will be like, you know, 
somebody's like, oh, they see him on the street or whatever, and they call him out, and the person's like, that's the part I played. My, like, I'm sorry, my name is not Captain Jack Sparrow. I'm Johnny Depp. Hello, you know? Like, you hear those kind of things all the time, that they're, you're calling them the part they played because you feel like you know them. They become your closest friends. So even though they may not be tangibly there, you are being shaped by them. Why are so many of us distraught and saddened at the death of Kobe Bryant? Moment of peace, moment of silence. And it's legit, right? We are, we absolutely are. It's terrible. He was taken way too young. His daughter died tragically with him, a bunch of other people in the helicopter, and he's leaving a wife and three kids behind. But why you didn't know him? Why does it matter so much to us? And it's because who we watch, what we listen to, can and, and does become our closest friends and mentors, the one who shape the way we live our lives, right? That's why it affects us. You guys love basketball, you're watching him, he's like amazing. He's basically a friend to you even though he does not know your name, right? So whoever you spend the majority of your time with, whether that is a tangible person or it's a person over here that does not know you exist, they will become your closest friends. So do not tell me you're not being pulled down a wrong path just because you're not hanging out with the wrong crowd. Maybe you're watching the wrong crowd, right? And he toes getting stepped on a little bit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was enthusiastic. I love it. All right. Myth number three. It really isn't that big of a deal who I'm spending time with. Now, I know at this point my entire message has been saying the exact opposite. But I know that in a group of young people we have skeptics. And you're like, okay, I really, I hear what you're saying. But I just don't think it matters that much. Let's look at a couple more passages that the Bible says. It says in Deuteronomy, if your very own brother or your son or daughter or the wife you love or your closest friend, we'd all agree those are your people, right? Just named like a ton of them, brother, son, daughter, wife you love, closest friend. This would be your circle. If they secretly entice you saying, let us go and worship other gods, do not yield to them or listen to them. Show them no pity. Do not spare them or shield them. Those are tough words, right? Now, I know that in the society we live in, at least in the Western world, most of you are not going home and bowing down to false gods of stone and wood, right? right. But we're, we're just talking about worshiping other gods. So for us, we know that worship is just strictly whatever we place the highest value on. Whatever we place the highest value on is essentially what we're worshiping. So if all your friends are out there totally engaged more than anything, the highest value is how you look, what you're wearing. I got to have 45 angles and just the right lighting, and I got to post them all because I need to know what others are saying of me. I've got to hear the, 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 the feedback, or if it's, you know, what, whatever they're putting their, their highest value on. They're worshiping pleasure, whatever th people think of them. Putting other people down, entertainment. It doesn't really matter what it is. If that highest value is on something besides the Lord, God's pretty clear. He says, do not yield to them. Don't even listen to them right? And just in case you're like me and you're like, okay, that's Old Testament, you know, we get into the New Testament, Jesus' grace and mercy and all these things. Well, let's look at what he says in James chapter 4. It says, you adulterous people, that's a happy start, isn't it? That's a happy start. Don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity against God? Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. What does that mean? What does it mean to be a friend of the world? Well, really, it just means anything that we choose that we know is not him. 
We know it. This is God's way, and we willingly choose, hello, air conditioning. Um, we willingly choose the opposite. That guy that is so fine, and we know he doesn't give a rip about the Lord, but like, we just got to date him, so it doesn't matter what path it might take us on. We're going to do that. That would be a friend of the world. We are specifically choosing that, that direction. How about that circle of guys that you're like, oh, they're so cool, I gotta hang with them, but everything they say is like perverted and they talk about girls like they're just a piece of meat, but like I wanna be cool in that circle, so I'll just kinda hang and maybe just laugh at a joke here or there, maybe kinda add my own little thing here or there. I would say friendship with the world, right? Same thing, you know, you wanna hang out with the, that group of girls and they just put everybody down and, and, and you just wanna fit in and so you're like, okay, well, I'll just follow along. But God is so clear. He says, he doesn't just say that we're not his friend when we engage in this willingly, right? What does he say? He says we're his enemy. Friendship with the world is an enemy of God. I don't know about you guys. I do not want to be an enemy of God. Anybody else in here? I would much rather have a few people not like me, a lot of people not like me, or not like what I'm saying, than have God be my enemy. Amen? Amen. Y'all quiet in this Methodist church. All right. All right. Let's read just a little bit more of this, of this article before we move on. He, he went on to say, the truth is we generally go in the direction that our closest friends go. Almost as a universal rule, we're the sum total of the five people we hang around the most. We know that drugs and porn and all that stuff is dangerous. Sure it is. It will certainly drag you down into the depths of sorrow and guilt, we, but it wouldn't even be a thing to you if you had never been exposed to it. Or if you ran with people that avoided that stuff like the plague. The friends you choose absolutely are the catalyst to your own happiness and destruction. We know this is true, right? Not everything we've been exposed to, but almost everything we've expo been exposed to that we know is just junk has been through the people that we hang around with. I've always thought it was really funny that we still have so many smokers. You guys with me? Like back in the 50s, I know it's a side trail, but it, it goes along with it. Back in the 50s and 60s, they really didn't know all of the, the, the dangers of it. They, you know, it was like on movies and everybody thought it was cool or whatever. But ever since I've been a child, which is longer than you guys have been here, um, all I've ever heard are all of the lung cancer, stomach cancer, throat cancer, emphysema, teeth and gum loss, ew. Um, like just all of these negative things. So when I look around at high school students, or college campuses and there's still so many people smoking, it just dumbfounds me. But here's the thing, guys, and this is just the point with smoking, but it's so many other things. Most people aren't over here just totally in their own little world like, I think smoking cigarettes, I think that'd be so cool. I'm gonna try it. Let me try it. Let me go find cigarettes and <laughs> light up, whatever. <laughs> very, very few people are trying this all on their own. It takes that circle, that person who's like, come on, you got to try that. This is so cool. You're not cool if you don't do this. Like, you, you guys know this, and it's so elementary when it comes to something like smoking, but it's for everything. Oh, just send that picture to this guy. He'll never know, or your parents will never know. Oh, just, just text this to the girl. Like, it is the circle of people that we hang out with that influences what we choose to do, which leads me to my final myth. Okay, PM, I hear you. You must be saying... God wants me to have no friends and no fun. 
Okay, now of course I'm being a little melodramatic here, but, and don't raise your hand, but I think many of us in this room have at one point felt that way. Okay, walking with Christ, I have to just do nothing, have no fun, have no friends, and it'll all just be okay because I'll make it to heaven. And seriously, guys, I think this is a really sad view of how, how we see Christianity, but I think it's true for some of us. We think we have to give up everything. We're going to have to be like John the Baptist out in the desert all by myself, eating grasshoppers. And that, I mean, because he did, locusts and honey. It's, you know, the honey's cool, but. Um, and I think sometimes that's our view. We're just like, well, this is what God wants, and we can't, we can't do any of these things. But listen, just like you guys know that if I were to give you three pounds of sugar and say, eat it all right now, you guys are smart enough to know, stop. <laughs> you guys are smart enough to know at this point that it would not end well. You would feel sick, etc. So if your parents say, okay, cut it off, just eat a candy bar, and no more than that, you know that they're not out to destroy your life and all of your fun, and you can't have anything good in life, right? You know that they're just trying to save you from the regret of toothache and cavities and stomachache and all of those things. But a baby and a toddler and a little, little kid, any of you guys ever worked with any of them or have little siblings, you know that they don't get that, right? They're like, I want the candy, I want the candy and I want it now. They get a little piece and they don't understand that I'm trying to save them from the sickness. They think, oh my gosh, you're ruining my life, right? So can I, can I challenge us that if that's how our view is of Christianity, that God just wants us to have no fun and no friends, that maybe we're not quite as mature in the Lord as we think we are. Maybe even though you're 16, 17, 18, 15, maybe you're really kind of closer to two or three when it comes to things of the Lord because you're like, I'm supposed to be alone and no friends. Right? You guys hearing? Hearing me? Listen, the Bible is super clear on avoiding friends who lead you down bad paths, but it's also huge on the benefits of and rewards of great friends. Look what it says. Two are better than one. Already right there, boom, myth, gone. Wants you to have friends. Because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. Sounds like a good friend. How about this one, the ultimate friend? Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. And then as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. See, God has called all of you to have amazing friends, not mediocre friends, not ones that are going to lead you down paths of destruction, but amazing friends that will help you lift you up when you fall, that, sharpen, uh, that you sharpen each other, to selflessly love you and lay down your life for you. These are the people that understand that the pull of the world is really strong. We get it, guys. But they want to avoid it like the plague and run away from it with you and chase God and run the race with everything they've got inside of them as well. But listen, I'm not going to lie to you guys. If you make that commitment to follow Jesus with everything, it can be lonely. God wants us to have amazing friends, but a lot of people just don't want to choose this path. They want to flirt with that friend with the world, maybe friend with God, maybe friend with the world. So a lot of people don't choose this path. And I can tell you, it can be pretty lonely. As a teenager, my circle of friends consisted, it was very, very small. Sometimes it was just my brother. Other times I had a, a friend or two, maybe three at the most. And there were definitely times it was extremely lonely. I was definitely labeled the over-the-top Christian girl. And not because I was really over-the-top, but just because I didn't want to go to every movie that everybody was going to. I didn't want to do everything that everybody was doing. I wanted to fit in, but not if it cost me 
who I was wanting to be in the Lord. In fact, my own youth group voted me most likely to become a pastor's wife. And the irony is not lost on me. However, it wasn't because I had this massive call of God on my life that they could all see or that I was bringing all these people to Jesus, you know, every week in my youth group. You want to know why they voted me this? Because I was the queen of side hugs. I got teased for it left and right. You guys know what I'm talking about. Junior high was like, "Mm." you know, a guy would come and I'd be like, hey, and not, hey, you know, I'll see y'all, I'll see y'all. We can talk later. We can talk later if you don't know what I'm talking about. So I was teased all the time by my good godly youth group. We were always made fun of. I do not know how that qualified me for ministry, but, the, but there you go. So I can tell you that it can be lonely. But you know what? Those years were so amazingly precious to me because in those years, I'm not always feeling like I had a lot of great friends. I went on a journey to to really discover the ultimate friend, that friend that sticks closer than a brother, and Jesus truly became my best friend. And I'm 100% aware that those years set me on the path that I'm on today, and I have no no regrets. So we've said, we've looked at the verses where uh, we know that God wants us to have friends, but what about that no fun thing? We know that God desires us to have friends, but he also says, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy, right? We know that's the devil. But I have come, this is Jesus, I have come that they might have what? Life, and life to the full. That is fun, right? See, sons and daughters of the Most High God, we have got to stop thinking that serving Jesus is no fun. If we don't understand what it means, man, we have got, we have to have a paradigm shift because, you know, all these people out there living my best life, living my best life, there is nothing greater than serving Jesus. It can be so much fun. Not just to live a life without the pain, without the regrets, without the STDs, without the heartbreak, without this, without that, with all these things, but to live a life where you've said yes to all these awesome things, where you have joy that people don't understand that are out in the world. When you can go through something and the storm is all around you and chaos is all around you, but there's peace inside of you because you have said yes to something greater. See, they don't understand the life to the fullest with Jesus is more than you can fathom. Have any of you guys ever hiked up a mountain before? Made it to the top? Kennesaw Mountain maybe or something? You guys are nodding. Yes? Yes. All right. Well, whether you have or whether you haven't, you should. It's a great idea. Um, when you get to the top, what happens? You, what'd you say? <laughs> you get to the top and you look out and, and the view is just awe-inspiring. It's majestic. It's amazing. But what is also really cool is when you look down, all these things that were so big suddenly are what? Super small. This car, this house, trees, they all look really, really small. And 5979, I believe that God is calling all of us to up our level, to up our friendship circle, and to get to that higher place in Him. Come up to His level, and all of these cares of the world, all these pulls from these friends that are not great influences suddenly just don't matter that much. They suddenly look a lot smaller when you've come up to the level that Christ has for each one of you guys. You may be thinking this is a really odd way to start a relationship series, and I know I've referenced it before, but I I honestly believe it's a great foundation, the greatest foundation, because here's the thing. A relationship series, we're talking about all relationships, right? And the very first one, the most important one, is this one, the vertical, me and Jesus. Because see, if that one's broken, 
these are going to be broken too. These aren't going to work. They're not going to make sense. But if this one is right, then these can work out. And so before you even are talking about the guy or the girl that you want to be with, we need to look at what our friend circle looks like. Because I can tell you, ladies, if you want the amazing man of God who's going to treat you like the queen that you should be treated like, who's going to love you, who's going to respect you, who's going to be faithful to you and go through the ups and downs of life with you, you are not going to find him in the little mediocre circle of friends over here. You're not going to find him there. And guys, if you want that woman who thinks you are all that in a bag of chips, fine as wine, treats you like the king that you should be treated like, you're not going to find her in this little mamby-pamby Christian circle over here either. You guys, you guys with me? And here's the thing. They're not going to look at you if that's the circle that you're in either. That's not where they're going to be looking. So this, I believe, may be a wake-up call for some of us in this place. God is calling you, every single one of you, me included, to a new level. Up your perspective. Up your, your vision. And when you see things at the top of the mountain, it's just a total, total change. Maybe you're that friend. Maybe you're the friend who's been leading down people down the wrong path. Maybe you're that one. It's not the other people. It's you. You're the one talking trash or being ugly or, or you know, getting people to do the wrong things. Maybe you're the person that's more of a follower, and if you're in a good circle of friends, then you're good. And if you go to the bad, you know, not-so-great circle of friends, you're, you're either serving the Lord because you're with these people or you're not. And God's saying, find your identity in me, and don't just give in to whichever way the wind blows. And maybe you're trying to f- too hard to fit in because, man, you want friends. And, man, I get that. I totally get that. But the pull of this world is strong, and you're just saying, God, tonight I just want to come up to your level. I want to soar with you and let these things become small. I want to leave you guys with this one last verse, and I want you to just say the part with me that's underlined. It says, the righteous choose their friends carefully, but the way of the wicked leads them astray. Young people, if I can impart anything to you tonight, anything at all you walk away with, please choose your friends wisely. It will ultimately, your life will depend upon it, whichever path you want to take.